0: All right, so we are beginning a, a little mini-series here. We put a pause on Ephesians. and um, well, Actually, now that I re- I'm remembering what else I needed to share before I get into my preacher mode here. So, this Wednesday is First Wednesday Prayer. It will be the last Wednesday prayer of, of the year. So, I would really encourage you to come this Wednesday. We're going to thank God for all that He has done uh, in 2018. We're going to pray forward into 2019 about the things that God has planned for us. And so, First Wednesday Prayer... This Wednesday at 7 p.m. We'd love to have you here tonight. So we are starting a, uh, a we're putting a pause on the, on the Ephesians series. And we just, we finished um, the third series in, in Ephesians called Spirit-Filled Life. And once we get through Christmas, we're going to have uh, Brother Freddy's actually going to preach the last sermon of 2018. Did I tell you that? I told you that? Yeah, yeah. So Brother Fred is going to preach on December 30th. He's going to preach whatever the Lord lays on his heart. And then January the 6th, I want you to be here. January 6th, you're going to get tired of me talking about January 6th, but January 6th will be a vision casting service. I'm going to talk about, you know, just we'll, we'll talk about what God has done uh, from March 4th of 18 up until this point, And then we're going to talk about what God is going to do in 2019. I have a lot of things that are on my heart for 2019 and for the for the, for many years to, to come. And so January 6th, it's a vision casting service. It'll be a regular service of worship and prayer. Uh, but I'm, I, in my message, it will be a, a message about the future. So if you're interested in knowing about the future of Living Word Church, come on January the 6th. And then January 13th, the week after that, the message will be, wives, submit to your husbands. Amen. And all the husbands say, "Amen." That's what, what. 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 What verse is that? That's Ephesians five, twenty-two. Men, you should know that by heart. Ephesians five, twenty-two: wives, submit to your husbands. We will pick back up in Ephesians, and it'll be a series on marriage and family. And I haven't told uh, the children's pastor that uh, this yet. He's not here to hear me, but I will let him know on Tuesday for staff meeting. But Ephesians six, one through four, the, the beginning says, "Children, obey." your parents so it will be a series on marriage and family and for that service i know that on the fifth sunday all the kids stay in but whatever sunday that falls on whether it's the fifth sunday or not the kids will be in we will make we will, we will announce it prior so, so all you parents can get your kids here so they can hear their pastor tell them to listen to you okay so look forward to that so that's the Ephesian series. We will continue at, uh, at the, uh, on January 13th. But what we're doing right now, leading up to Christmas, or Christmas service is December 23rd. We're going to do a four-part series. And, and I, I felt the Lord really just uh, press on me, press on my heart to do a series called Ordinary Vessels. Ordinary Vessels. And the heart of this series is uh, examining the reality that God really only uses ordinary people. Because that's all he has. Is ordinary people. All he has is weak, imperfect people to accomplish his gospel purposes. And so when we're looking at the Christmas story specifically, we're going to look at the different characters of the Christmas story. We're going to walk through and, and, and just kind of pull out big truths about how God fulfills his purposes and how he, he uses ordinary people like, like you and I. So this morning in this first message, we're going to look at Zechariah and Elizabeth. And John the Baptist. And so with this message, what we're going to look at is kind of a bird's eye view, a big picture view of God and his purposes in the earth. A big picture view. How, what, what, what are some big things that will help us understand how God works in the earth and works in ordinary lives? And, and then next week, we're, we're going to look at Mary and Joseph. Two ordinary people that God used to do extraordinary things. But we're going to look at the nuts and bolts of that big picture of how God works in lives. Well, what does it take in the life of an individual like you and I and ordinary people? What do we need to do to be a part of what God has called us to do to, to further his gospel? So that's week two. Week three, we're going to look at the shepherds and how the shepherds were used to carry that message, to carry the message of the incarnation, the message of the gospel. And so we're going to look at week three, what is, what, what is it that we're carrying, right? If we're calling ourselves vessels, I'm ordinary, you're ordinary, we're all ordinary here, we're all imperfect, and we're called as believers to carry something, well, what is the nature of what we're carrying? So that's week three. And then week four is December 23rd. And it's going to be an amazing time. Uh, uh, Miko and Jamie Conley have talked to me about some of the things that we're going to do for the Christmas service. And we're just going to exalt Christ on Christmas. And so that's what, that's what this series is all about. Amen? So, as we get into this, I have to ask you a question. Have you ever received good news? You've, you've received good news? What, what, you know, when you think of good news, receiving good news... There's many different things that we would consider good. Some, some good news for me might not be good news for you. You know, like if somebody came up to me and told me, you know, of course, you know, golf's one of my favorite sports. And if somebody came up to me and told me that I, I have master, I have tickets to the Masters Golf Tournament and you can go this April, that would be good news. That wouldn't just be good news. That would be great news, right? Or if somebody told me that, I've got, I've got, you know, tickets to go to the Super Bowl. For a lot of us, that would be what? Be good news. Y'all would celebrate all the football fans in here. Or, or I remember the news that I got whenever I was talking to uh, Estelle before she, you know, even knew that she liked me. And I had to convince her of that reality, that she would like me. And I asked her the question. I said, or I told her, I said, I'd like to get to know you. And then I asked the question, would you like that? And she said, yes, I would like that. That was good news. That was good news. That was the best news besides Jesus Christ. That was the best news of my life. And I carried that news of her wanting to be in relationship with me. And that motivated me to call her on the phone. And that motivated me. But, but good news that we experience in this life that's concerning possessions and pleasures and relationships, those things kind of all fade away, right? Kind of all, that's all temporary, But what we're called to carry, the premise of this whole series is that we're called to carry as ordinary people the greatest news that humanity has ever known. The greatest news that humanity can ever know, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, that God became man in the incarnation, became one of us and took our place. That is the best news that any one of us can ever have and ever be called to carry. And so think about this. Think about the reality that God would ask you and would ask me to carry that news. To be a carrier of that news. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you want to be a carrier of that news, you are a carrier. And God wants to awaken you to the reality of the purpose you have in him. To be a carrier of that truth, of that good news that people need to know this good news. That God loves them. And, and he died on the cross for them. And they can be forgiven of their sins. And you carry that news if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. But just think about it. I want to read two sections of scripture. Kind of help us understand how amazing it is that we get to be these carriers. 1 Corinthians 1 says this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you, and I should say all of us, were wise according to the worldly standards. Maybe that there's a few people Some of you in here that are super smart and intelligent. Some people might call you wise. But for the rest of us, not many of us would call us wise. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Listen to this. So that no human being might boast In the presence of God. And because of him. You are in Christ Jesus. Who became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's the picture of the gospel. The incarnation of Christ. He became wisdom and righteousness. And sanctification and redemption for us. So that as it is written. Let the one who boasts. If you're going to boast in anything. Boast in the Lord. Because we're not noble. We're not In and of ourselves, wise and good and and we're frail, we're weak. We have weaknesses and and frailty. And and just the reality that God would take the, the most important news that any human being can ever hear and he would put it on lips that have the possibility of lying. Think about that. I think about that so often. My lips can lie. My lips can speak untruth. And God says, Ben, I want those lips that have the possibility of speaking untruth. To speak the greatest truth that anyone can ever know. Why, why, God? Why would you do that? But he has. And this is the story that we're going to lead. This is the picture. This is the foundation of what we're going to look at. That God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And so the first characters we're going to look at is Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist. And so after the last prophet spoke in the Old Testament, Malachi, The last prophet was Malachi, and he had a word from the Lord to the nation of Israel. And then after Malachi, it went dark. It went silent, and there was no word from the Lord for over 400 years. For over 400 years, there was no prophet speaking for God. And this this time period is called the Dark Ages. There truly was the Dark Ages in history where there was no man of God, woman of God, speaking the word of God. And God broke through the darkness, and he spoke. And he spoke to Zechariah. And we're going to look at that in Luke chapter 1. And he sent his messenger angel, Gabriel, and spoke to Zechariah. And let's look at the text we're going to cover this morning. He says this, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah was a priest that worked in the temple and would give the sacrifices for the nation of Israel. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Zechariah and Elizabeth have been barren for years and years and years and they were old, past childbearing age. And it says, the angel says, your wife will bear a son. You shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And we'll see that uh, as we go through the text later. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Or, Or how can this be? For I am an old man i 'm an old man, and listen is what he says about his wife, men. this is a clue for all of you, and my wife is advanced in years. Should we men should we ever call our wives old? Zechariah gives us a clue here: Follow the word of the Lord from zechariah i 'm old, but my wife she 's advanced in years and the angel answered him and said, "I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good News, good news. Behold, you will be silent and un- unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people are waiting. And, and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his house. Went, when He went home. So what we want to look at in this section is, the, again, this is, we're going to look at the big picture of God, God's purposes. How does God move in the earth? How does God more specifically move in our life? What are things we need to understand through this interaction with Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist? that so, will help us wrap our mind around why God does the things that he does and, and how he does them. God's purposes, the big picture view. And the first thing we see is this, is that number one, God's purposes won't always make sense from an earthly perspective. God's purposes will not always make sense from an earthly perspective. Look at what Zechariah said there. He said to the angel, how shall I know this? What he's saying this, he's saying, how can this be? How, God? He's talking to this angel and saying, I don't understand this. I don't understand that God's purpose is here. This does not make sense. I'm an old man. My wife is advanced past childbearing age. How is this possible for two old people to conceive a baby? It doesn't make sense. In the natural, it did not make sense that Elizabeth would become pregnant. And, and, and so I think a lot of us in, in our life, and I think I've experienced this in my life, I come up on, on situations in life and I think, God, I don't get it. You guys, yeah, you guys ever experienced that? God, I, I don't get it. I don't understand your ways. And, and if it was me, Lord, you know, I think I would, I would do it like this. I would, I would make this happen first, and then I would do this. God, I got a great plan for you, Lord. Actually, actually, I, honestly, Lord, I think you would, you should listen to me. I think this would be the best bet. If you will do A, B, C, and D, I, I promise you, we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the glory for it, even though it was really my plan. I'll say that it was your plan, Lord. We I mean, we would never really say that, but, but, but we think, Lord, why the suffering? Why the pain? Why the diagnosis? Why this? Why that? God, God, it, it could have been a whole lot easier. God, why did you wait until my wife was really old and advanced in years to come and send an angel and say, now we're going to give you a baby? And this is, that's the realm that I live in. Is that the realm that you live in? Questions, why, God? Why, God, didn't you, you know, throughout Scripture, I thought about all the examples that you can give that I could bring to you of not just Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth, but throughout Scripture, account after account. And you can look at accounts and say, God, that was strange. Why did you do that? How come you didn't do it this way? It would have been a lot easier if you'd have done this or done it that way. It's throughout Scripture. And I picked two others that I want to mention. The first one is Joseph, Genesis 37 says this, Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And they saw him from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then he will say that a fierce animal, then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. And we will see what will become of his dreams. God gives Joseph a dream at seventeen years old. And the dream was basically he went and saw all these sheaves of, of, of grain in the field and, and, and they all, all, all of them bowed down to bowed down to his sheaf, bowed, bowed down to him, and then he had another dream that the sun, the moon, and the stars all bowed down to him, and so he went to his eleven brothers and said, Oh, hey, by the way, this is my dream. And they were already jealous of Joseph, because scripture tells us in Genesis that they could tell that his father, their father, favored. Joseph. And so they thought it was prideful of him. But he had a dream. Now how many of you know if you read into Genesis, into the story, what happened with Joseph? What did his brothers do? They No, 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 no. After they sold him, after Joseph went through all that he went through, at the end of the story, what did his brothers do? They bowed down. Now think, if it was me, I'd say forget the throwing into the pit. Forget all these years of false accusation and imprisonment. Lord, wouldn't it make sense if the ultimate goal was second in charge of all of Egypt so that the nation of Israel can be preserved? Why not just cut to the chase, Lord? Cut to the chase. Get there. And that's the why. Why, God? Why? Lazarus in the New Testament. It's another story. John 11 says this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. This is John 11. Jesus gets word. Martha and Mary know that Jesus is a miracle worker. They know that he has the ability to pray for their brother Lazarus and that he won't die. Don't you love it? Jesus says, I'm waiting a couple days here. Just kind of hung out. And we'll go further in the story. He waited four days until he went. Why? Jesus, What Jesus? look, it would be great. You can get glory from healing a sick man. You've been getting glory from healing other people. Why not do it right now? I just want to say this about God's ways. You know, the more improbable it seems, the more impossible it seems, the more it has the making of God's work. When we don't understand it and when we don't get it and when it doesn't make sense to us, I'm telling you, it has the makings of God's hand at work and when you're in your life you're looking at your situation you're thinking God I don't understand your purposes I don't understand your ways I have this dream I have these things in my heart that I feel like you've called me to do and I just don't get it Lord I'm just here to tell you this morning that when you look throughout scripture you look at Zechariah and Elizabeth you look at Joseph and Lazarus you look across scripture when it looks like it's impossible when it looks like people are forgotten when it looks like it doesn't make sense God is at work. He never stops being at work. He's God. Amen? We must learn a valuable lesson about God's purposes. We must learn to rest in the sovereignty of God. God is in charge. And whether you like it or not, God is sovereign. Everyone believes in the sovereignty of God because everyone believes in God. That's a believer. If you're a believer and you believe in God, you you do believe he's sovereign. Because we don't want a God that's not in control. He is in control. He sets kings up. He sets kings down. And it may look like in your life, well, God, if you're sovereign and you're in control, you're really making a mess of all of this. Wait and see the hand of the Lord. God's ways are past finding out. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this. For my thoughts, this is God speaking to the prophet Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Isn't that true? God didn't think like we do. Neither are your ways my ways. We would do it a different way, Lord, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Look at that picture there. As the heavens are higher than the earth. How high are the heavens above the earth? God's ways are higher than the earth. Than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He sees more than we see. He sees the end from the beginning. He's God. And so when we are thinking about God's purposes and you're thinking about the big picture of how God uses us in our life as ordinary people, when you come up against difficult circumstances, you have to learn to rest in this truth that God is in charge and we're not. And that's good. Amen? Isn't that good? Man, Dominic, I'm glad you're not in charge. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad because John 3, 17 says that God didn't condemn the world, right? But he sent Jesus to save the world. Dominic probably would kill all y'all. Just want you to know. He preached a great message last week. Thank you, Pastor Dominic. You preached a great word last week. And as good a preacher as he is, if he was God, we'd all be in trouble. I'm glad I'm not in charge because you'd be in trouble if I was in charge. I'm impatient. I'm not loving from time to time. Ask my wife. She can tell you and my children. We have to rest in the reality that God's in charge. Psalms 46 says this. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble. For there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation Of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. When we see a picture of who God is. And we rest in his sovereign control. We will not be moved. We will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold The works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease. To end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still. And know. That who's God. That he's God. That I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. And I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So how can this be? I'm old, Lord. My wife is advanced in years. How can this be, Lord? I don't understand. The first thing we must understand is that God's purposes in our life is, does not always make sense according to, earthly, pers- according to an earthly perspective. Secondly, thinking about godly about God's purposes and how they are fulfilled in this life. Second thing is this looking back at Zechariah and his interaction with Gabriel, secondly, God's purposes will be fulfilled in their time. God has purposes, He's in charge, He's in control, it's His way and not our way, and they will be fulfilled in His time. Isn't that what Gabriel said? Just go back. The angel answered him after he said, How can this be? Listen to what the angel said I am Gabriel. Now, I love this. Pastor Freddie brought this up this morning when we were talking about it. Listen to what Gabriel says I stand in the presence of God. Think about that. Zechariah is looking at an angel that came from the Lord with a message from the Lord. And he tells the messenger from God, the angel from God, I don't don't know how this is going to work. And what does Gabriel say? I came from God. Hey, by the way, bud, I just came from the presence of God. So you might want to listen up here. I stand. In the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak because you did not believe my words. And what did he say after that? Which will be fulfilled in their time. So the second thing we need to understand is that God's purposes have a timing to them. We don't always understand God's purposes, but also God's purposes have a timing. Timing. God's timing is rarely our timing. Is that not true? It's rarely our timing. God knows exactly when his purposes need to be fulfilled. And if you are like me, the waiting seasons are the most difficult. They tend to be the most difficult. When we're waiting to see the promises fulfilled, when we're waiting to have relief from the struggle we're going through. That waiting time. God please bring relief. God please move. I don't know if I can take it any longer. God I wish your time would be faster. It's in that waiting time. Zechariah and Elizabeth think about it. They waited for years for a child. They were, they were probably ridiculed in their community. Over the reality that they did not have a child. Especially a son. To pass on their legacy. And they waited and they waited. There are many of you in here. Maybe you are barren just like Zechariah and Elizabeth were before they had John. And you feel that same way, God, why? When, Lord, when? Joseph had a long waiting season that included seriously difficult trials. Think about that. Had the dream, spoke the dream, thrown into a pit, left for dead. And if it had not been for Reuben, they would have killed him. But Reuben had the idea, hey, let's not kill him. But let's sell him to these people that are coming across and let's sell him to these traitors. And he became a slave. And then he was in prison. And because God was with him, he rose to, to, to uh, uh, leadership and authority, even in prison. And then, he, and then he got to be second in command of all of Potiphar's house. And then what happened? He got falsely accused from Potiphar's wife of trying to, trying to rape her. Got falsely accused. Thrown back into prison. This waiting period from, from the dream to the fulfillment. Why, God? Mary and Martha waited for four days until Jesus finally came. And you can't, can, can you imagine what they're thinking? God, this could have been done like this. It could have been done instantly. You could, have came, you could have spoken the word and Lazarus would have been healed. And so the timing is where we live. This time period. So what, what is God doing in the waiting time? What's, what's he doing? He's working on us working on us he's not trying to figure it out God's not waiting to work in your life because he's like well, he's scratching his head well I just don't know I don't know let me wait and see what they're going to do next okay it's kind of like playing chess right God's not playing chess with you he's not waiting for your move like okay well when he makes this decision then I can do this no God knows every move you're going to make because he's God right that's the first point he's in control he's in control he's sovereign he knows every move so why the waiting because he's working on us He's working on us. He's not lost. He's not clueless. We are we feel lost and clueless at times. But he's working on us. What's he working on? I have three things I just want to tell you he's working on. First thing is this. Our character is strengthened in the waiting. Our character is strengthened in the waiting. You think, God, I have a dream. I have these purposes. And it would be great if I could have them right now. You know, sometimes your character is not ready for, for what you think you desire. Sometimes your character needs more development to be able to handle what God has called you to do. And in that waiting time, God is working on your character and the strength of your character to be able to handle the responsibilities and the callings that he's given you. And ultimately, the responsibility and the calling he's given you is to carry the good news of Jesus Christ wherever you go. He's working on your character during the waiting time. Secondly, our faith is strengthened in the waiting our faith, our trust in God, when we are forced to wait, when we're in this no man's land, in between the dream and the fulfillment, we're in this no man's land, God is wanting us to cling to him. And what is the enemy wanting you to do? He's wanting you to despair. And some of you here this morning, you're in despair. You have all these questions as to why God is doing what he's doing and and you feel like you're in this waiting season and you have a sense of despair and hopelessness and, and the enemy is eating your lunch today he wants your faith to be built and for you not to lose your hope to remember his faithfulness in other areas of your life to remember his faithfulness to look at his word and to see his faithfulness throughout scripture to fulfill his purposes he wants your fa- your faith our faith is strengthened in the waiting and then lastly which i think is so important our perseverance is strengthened in the waiting you know when god calls you to do something he has plans for your life you know, ultimately, it's those plans are about him, and those plans are to see the name of Jesus glorified. And the enemy's number one goal is to stop you from glorifying God in this earth. And so these plans that God has for you, the ones that some of you and all of us are kind of waiting on, you know, what God's trying to do is trying to build a perseverance in us, a faith and a trust and a perseverance so that when we walk in them, because when you start walking in those purposes, the enemy is going to come against you. Do you guys hear me? The enemy will come against you because he wants to stop you from glorifying God. He wants to stop you from doing what God's called you to do, which is ultimately to glorify him in your life. And so if you don't have a perseverance developed in your life that is that is forged in the fire of, of that waiting time, then when the enemy comes and attacks you, then you just kind of wilt and fall away. But in that waiting time is when your character is strengthened, when your faith is strengthened. And when that When when that perseverance is strengthened to where when you're in the middle of what God's called you to do, you persevere when trials come. You persevere when criticism comes. You persevere whenever all hell breaks loose in your life because you have had your faith built. You've had your trust built and your character is built and you cling to God. Amen? That's what happens in the waiting time. Isaiah 40, 27 through 31 says this, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right hand is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? But basically, he's saying that, why are you saying that you're hidden, that you're forgotten? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's in charge. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He understand, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But what? Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In the waiting time is where strength comes. Character, faith, and perseverance is built. The psalmist says in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock. Making my steps secure, he put a new song. Some of you need a new song in your mouth, a new song in your heart, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Many of you, you're in that waiting time. You're waiting patiently, but you're growing weary. You need a new song in your heart. You need to be reminded that God is with you. He hasn't forgotten you. I love that, what it said there in Isaiah 40. I, I didn't see this when I was studying this section there. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? Why do you say, God, you've forgotten me? That's what we say when we're waiting. God, you've forgotten me. Why do you say, O Israel, why do you say, Living Word Church, my way is hidden from the Lord? He's disregarded us. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting. That's good. That's good stuff right there. That's encouraging to some of you here this morning. God, I'm forgotten. My way is hidden from you. You have disregarded me, God. You've forgotten all the things you put in me, Lord. The Lord is everlasting. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He's not weary like you. He does not grow faint or weary. And his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. Some of you need power this morning. Amen. God's purposes will be fulfilled in their time. Our third truth about God's purposes is this, is is that God's purposes are not about us. We've been talking about that. God's purposes are not about us. So firstly, God's purposes won't always make sense according to an earthly perspective. And secondly, God's purposes will be fulfilled in their time. And thirdly, ultimately, this is the most liberating reality about God's purposes. You need to know this. This is so liberating. Is that life is not about you. It's not about you. Everything in this world and in this culture, in this evil world system is trying to convince people that life is about them. Life is not about you. You came from somewhere. You came from your creator, God. No life is an accident. And because your ultimate source of life is God, your creator, then that means life is not about you. It's not about your self-fulfillment. It's not about you becoming the best you that you can be. It's about you becoming the best that God has designed you to be. What is God's plan for your life? Life is not about you. And you know what? That is liberating. It's not about me. Amen. They got it over there. Life is not about me. It's not about you. What is it about? And if you're a believer, it's about Christ. It's why we exist. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. What happened with Zechariah and Elizabeth? They had their son, and, 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 she gives, and Elizabeth gives birth, and, and they bring John to Elizabeth, or well, they bring the baby to Zechariah, and, and Zechariah gets to name John, and as soon as he wrote down the name John, which is what the angel Gabriel told him he should be, he wrote down the name John, and immediately his lips were opened. And what did Zechariah do? He began to prophesy. And this is what he said. Listen to this prophecy about John the Baptist. This is what, listen, this is what they were waiting on. This was what they had questions about. This is what they had turmoil and pain over. This is the gift that God had given them. And listen to what he says. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Speaking to John, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the, the Lord. You remember when they went to John the Baptist? Who are you? Are you the one, or should we be looking for somebody else? And he said, no, there's someone coming behind me that's mightier. Then I, the Lord, is coming, and you, John, will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who are in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. It's not about Zechariah. It's not about Elizabeth. It's not about John. They didn't understand his purposes. They didn't understand the waiting. But ultimately when the fulfillment came, what was it about? It was about Jesus. It was about Jesus. John being a forerunner to Jesus to point to the coming Messiah. Secondly, Joseph ends up as second in command of all of Egypt. He reconciles with his brothers in this dramatic story in Genesis 45. And then he says this to his brothers after they have all bound down to him. The dream is fulfilled. Listen to what Joseph says. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Catch that right there. What did, what did Joseph say there? Who did he say sold him into Egypt? You can talk to me. His brothers did it. And, and they did, right? Sold him in Egypt. Watch this. I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. said it again, but listen to this. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Wait a minute. I thought it was Joseph. I thought man was in control. I thought it was Joseph's brothers that did it. I thought man was in charge. No, no, man's not in charge. What man meant for evil, God was at work. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant. I love that. He says, you tried to kill me. Yeah, you're guilty. You're not off the hook. You tried to kill me. But God sent me ahead of you to save your life. Isn't that so, I just says so powerful of a truth. What man meant for evil, God took the evil person that tried to destroy Joseph, and he said, I was sent before you to save your life while you were trying to destroy mine. God did that. And that's so good. It's not you who sent me here the third time. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Lastly, we're almost done here. Let's go back to Lazarus. Martha comes, finds Jesus, and said, Jesus, Jesus, you need to come. Why didn't you come, Jesus? And, and, and Jesus says, well, take me to Mary. And, and when she had said this, John 11, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into, into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her But some of them said, Could not he have opened the eyes? Could not he who has opened the eyes of the blind kept this man from dying? It's the question. Why, God? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it, and Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, some translations say he stinketh. There's going to be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to him, Listen to this. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you? That if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Listen to this. I know you always hear me. But I'm saying this. This is so good. I'm saying that he's... Listen, Jesus is praying to the Father right here. And he's saying, Father, I know that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But I'm saying this right now on the account of Mary. And Martha and all the witnesses that are around here that are questioning why didn't he come? If he's a miracle worker, he should have came. I'm saying this on the account of the people standing around so that they may believe that you sent me. So, that may, so they may believe that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. It's not about you. Life is not about you. As a believer in Jesus Christ, it is not about you. It's not about your struggle and your pain. It's not about all of that. All of that builds your character. It builds your faith. It builds your perseverance. But when you're on the other side of the pain, you're on the other side of the waiting, you need to be standing there exalting Christ, pointing people to the truth of the gospel. God's purposes in our lives are not about us. As ordinary people, we carry the most extraordinary news this world has ever known. We are called to surrender our lives as vessels to point others to this truth about Jesus that he sent from the Father, that he is ready to forgive and heal and restore all those who call on his name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Ordinary vessels in the hands of an extraordinarily powerful God used for extraordinary purposes to exalt Christ, to make disciples, to equip the saints. Lord, I just pray over all of those here this morning, God, that this message resonated with them because they're hurting right now. They don't understand. They have many questions about you and your ways. They don't understand why it's been so long and and why, God, did you give me these dreams and, and, and just leave it there with me. There seems to be no fulfillment. Lord, I pray that their faith would be strengthened today to not give up hope, to not give up their trust in you. And God, I pray that somehow, God, that you would help them to see beyond their pain, to see beyond the doubt and the questions and the wondering, and to see the beauty of the purpose that they have that if they can help them to see that if they can look beyond the immediate pain of their circumstances and they can see the beauty of the gospel that they've been entrusted with, Lord, that they would recognize that all along this was never about their purposes or what what they're called to do, but it is about your purposes and your kingdom and your gospel. Lord, I thank you for this truth. I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of our our church and of the people of living word. Lord, we honor you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you use us Just place your hands over your heart with me. I'm going to pray this for myself. I want you to to agree with me. Place your hands over your heart, signifying that that, that this is what you believe and you're making it personal. God, use me. Use me, Lord. Use me for gospel proclamation. Lord, help me to be a light in this dark world. Help me to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that transformed me. Lord, that is our desire as Living Word Church. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.